we are going to start with our lesson today, but before I do anything, I, I have to clarify, well, I have to clarify an error that I made last week. Uh, the error is that last week I said that today we will do the topic of repentance, okay? However, something is going to change, or I, but... Uh, my work schedule is being in jumbles, it's a mess, and I still don't know what I'm going to be doing next week because they're changing the schedule. Well, in the schedule that we had, there were certain Sundays that I was going to miss. And Mike Capello, the junior, he's going to be filling in for me. On, and so I made a list with the different topics, right, that he's going to cover and then I'm going to cover when I'm here, stuff like that. Somewhere in doing that, I left a Sunday off, and that was today. So I had the schedule set up. So when I said last week, you know, today we are going to do repentance, Mark came after me after church, and he said, well, Vince, you know, you have me doing repentance next week. And I say, oh, so, <laughs> so rather than redoing the whole schedule, for Mac and I, I said, well, you know, it's Thanksgiving. Everybody deserves a little break. And uh, there may be some people visiting different places. So we'll do something different today. So what is different today? We are going to do a review. <laughs> okay. So we are going to go through the first five lessons quickly. It's just as a matter of review. And then if that's not enough, I did something else just in case. I need to fill in some time. <laughs> but uh, so... You know, review is always profitable, and it's always good for us to go back a little bit here and there. So next week, whether or not I am here, I do not know yet, because they're changing my schedule again. But Mac is going to be doing uh, repentance last week. So uh, keep that in mind. So I, I hope I can be here, because I enjoyed uh, Mac's teaching. So um, otherwise, I'm going to ask him to, to send me all his notes to make sure that he's doing the right thing. So right, Mac? <laughs> anyway, so let's go ahead and uh, open up in a word of prayer. And thank you, Mac, for doing that. Lord God, we just want to thank you for this morning. We want to thank you for your grace. And Lord, we want to thank you for who you are. Lord, thank you for the great work that you do, Lord, and that you have done for those who, through faith, Lord, become in Christ. Thank you, Lord God, for uh, the things that you have prepared for those who are part of your family, who those who are your children. And Lord, be with us this morning as we do a review of some of those things, Lord. And uh, uh, so that help us strengthen us, Lord, and to really develop an appreciation for uh, who you are, what you have done. And, and in a way, Lord, the great impact that you are having on our life, that you expect to have in our life because of that, Lord. So we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, we are doing, uh, can I get the monitor in the back on? That way I can see where I'm at. There we go. So, we are doing the study on theological terms. And remember that the idea is not to, to become an encyclopedia, <laughs> right, so that we know what those terms mean. But the idea is that in studying those terms, those terms really are a, 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 a summarize uh, a lot of teaching 
regarding what the Lord God has done for us. And, and some of that is going to be related to the human, to us, right? But it, 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 when we say a term, there is, there is a wealth of information behind that term. There is a wealth of doctrine behind that term that tells us the work of God. It tells us what that God has done. Now, a lot of times people are intimidated by the word doctrine or the word theology, right? The word doctrine only means is teaching, teaching. So it was what we sound doctrine just means sound teaching, and uh, and doctrine is the foundation of Christianity. Sound doctrine, right? If we don't have sound doctrine, we just must not must not have anything, right? So sound doctrine is the, the anchor, that that cornerstone <laughs> of our biblical. Of our faith, and sound doctrine comes from correctly studying uh, the scripture. So, and it's foundational because when when I have a struggle in my life, or when I'm thinking about something that is going off, where do I need to go? Well, I need to go to sound doctrine, and and that's my anchor. Say, Lord, you say this, and I'm going to stand on what you said, and I believe what you say. Right? And remember that faith itself means to take God at His word. I'm going to trust God at his word. Maybe not, no matter how I feel. So, you know, the way that I feel, don't worry about your feelings. Stand on sound doctrine. Stand by faith on what God. Because my feelings, you know, that scripture says that the heart is, is wicked <laughs> and deceitful above all things, right? So am I, am I going to trust my feelings? You know, I don't want to be like that song, you know, feelings. Uh, I better not sing. I better leave the singing for Albert. <laughs> Okay, so we're good with that. So the first word that we are going to study, or the first item that we study, the word that we study, was actually the term uh, theology. And theology proper, the word theology means the study of God. What is God like? Uh, And that's a good thing to know, you know. And, and, And how do we know what God is like? Say that again. He tells us. That is called revelation. Okay. What God is like is called revelation. God tells us about himself. Right. He reveals himself to us. And he reveals himself through the scripture. And he reveals himself through uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he reveals himself in some aspect. Even through creation. Right. The scripture says that the heavens declare the glory of God. So it's an aspect of God. His glory, right, can be seen in in the, in creation. Uh, there are two aspects that I mentioned there about God, two uh, regarding God. One is that He is incompre- incomprehensible. That means that we will never going to get everything about God. He doesn't reveal everything about Himself to us. Uh, there's probably more to Him that we will ever be able to grasp. And at the same time, even what he tells us, sometimes it's difficult for us to grasp, to understand the love of God, right? To under- and then he talks about the, the riches of God or whatever of God that surpasses, the peace of God that surpasses what? Oh, how much of the understanding? All understanding, right? So am I ever going to get a full understanding of this God? No, I'm not, right? No, I'm not. In order to do that, I would have to be God, <laughs> And I'm not. So my, my brain is limited. And uh, as you see there, uh, Job said, 
Can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty, right? And the intended answer there is no. I'm never going to get the fullness of God. I'm never going to get, I'm never going to understand God. So the one thing is that one aspect about God is that he is incomprehensible, right? We can never going to wrap our minds around the fullness of his being, right? The second thing is that he is knowable. And know means that we can have a personal relationship with him, right? We can know him in a, on a personal basis. And this is eternal life, that ye may know the only and true God. So we can have a personal relationship with God. We can know God. And if you don't mind, you know, a, a, a merry man joke who's going to get killed after he says this, right? It's like being merry, right? You love your wife, and you know your wife, but you ever going to completely understand your wife? Oh! <laughs> See, I'm going to get killed because of that, right? <laughs> and dinner is whatever I make. <laughs> no, but uh, so, uh, so we have a God that is both incomprehensible, who is past beyond our understanding, and yet... In that magnitude, he wants to have a personal relationship uh, with us. We also talked about God's attributes, with two types of attributes, right? We talked about the non-communicable attributes. And who will remember what those were? It's listed there, but what does it mean to be a non-communicable attribute of God? You remember that? Those are the attributes that God has and we do not. <laughs> right. That God has and God alone has. That means that he did not share those attributes or an extent to a degree of those attributes with God. Self-existence, for example. Yes, Jim? Right. He knows everything. It's kind of like a word for that. Yeah, omniscience. <laughs> Yeah, but they said, you know, eternality, right? In uh, uh, omniscient, om, om, to be omnipotent, uh, to be all wise, uh, right? Those are attributes. Uh, in some aspects, you know, we are expected to, to have some wisdom, right? So uh, <laughs> the wisdom of God surpasses more understanding, you know, but uh, uh, also surpasses more understanding. But uh, uh, so the, and on the other hand, is the uh, communicable attributes of God. And what will be the communicable attributes of God? Not an example, but a definition of the word. It's those attributes that God has and that he has imparted to us in some degree, right? That there is an expectation of us that we would exercise some of the things, you know, because man is created in God's image. So God has imparted in man some of those attributes. It's like you see there in the slide, holiness, love, goodness, and wisdom, right? God expects us in, to exercise some of those. We are created in God's image, and God says, you know what? I expect that uh, from you, okay? Questions or comments? I'm going to do that after every slide, so. It's all clear? Good. Let's go to the next one. Depravity. For me, this was a, quite a, a, a learning lesson because I never thought of depravity. Well, let me see, do that. Yeah. 
Let's see if we can get there. There you go. The private is the next one. For me, this was uh, quite a learning uh, lesson because I never uh, thought of depravity in the terms that I learned while preparing uh, this lesson. I always thought of depravity as men really being really, really bad, right? And, and that is true. That's part of depravity, that he is really bad. But there is more to depravity than being bad is the idea of being better off. <laughs> Whatever circumstance man finds himself, they are better off, right? Uh, it's the worst that is going to be, right? It's, we are in, in, we are in, in, in bad shape, right? Uh, it's not that I did a bad thing or I can do bad things, but everything about man is bad. He's better off, his future, his fear. And the idea that we talked about, we talked about a man being under sin, because the power of sin is under, how is that? Well, we talked about the personal sin, the things that we do, right? We talked about the sin nature, uh, the sin nature being uh, in sin, my mother conceived me, like uh, David said, right? So from the moment the man comes into the world, we already come into this world defective, right? Is it the environment that makes me bad? No. I make the environment bad. Right? I mean, uh, sometimes people think, you know, well, you know, my kids got caught up with the wrong crowd. No, your kids were the wrong crowd. <laughs> right? Always somebody else's fault. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, my kids are defective. I, I mean, look at the father that my kids have. What do you expect from them? <laughs> right? Yeah. Isn't, how's that done? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we have that idea of uh, the personal things, the things that, that, the thing that we practice. The sin nature is who we really are. We have that nature inside. Right? Remember that we are sinners who sin. So we sin because we are sinners. So we are sinners who sin. That's our nature. And then we have this bondage of sin, this pressure of sin, this weight of sin that is impacting on us, right? And for me, you know, it was, uh, and I knew this, uh, but, you know, when we looked uh, around the world and we th see the things that are happening, right, should we be surprised? Not really, right? Why is that? Human nature, sin nature, sin. Yeah, I mean, uh, human beings under, are under a lot of pressure. It's the pressure from without, the bondage of sin, and the pressure from within, the sin nature. And we are, you know, sometimes we are taken aback a little bit that we can really go that far. But, you know, it seems to me that since I came to the United States in 1979, uh, we've been going further and further and further in the, in the expression of that sin, if you would, right? Not that there is anything new under the sun, but the boldness of people in doing certain things, it seems, has increased. So the manifestation of that sin seems to be getting 
more uh, apparent, right? Yeah, more apparent. And sin, you know how it is, it, it manifests itself in different ways in different people, right? I may struggle with certain things. Somebody else will struggle with some other things. I always say to myself, you know, I, I only struggle with three sins, only three. The last of the eye, the last of the flesh, and the pride of life. You know, after that, I don't have any problem with anything else. <laughs> right? Yeah, that includes everything, right? Yeah. So, man is depraved. He's better off because he's under the power of sin. Then man is spiritually dead, uh, separated from God, right? We have no relationship to God, to the, to the things of the Spirit. Uh, man is uh, under Satan's power, right? Satan is control of the people who are not in Christ, those who are in Adam, right? Satan is a ruler over them, you know, and we think, man, why are these people doing that again? Well, you know, they are in bondage to sin, they are under the spiritually dead, they are under the, uh, the, the, the power of Satan. They, they cannot but not do, do wrong, right? Sin is going to be the expectation in their life. We talked about men being lost. Right? Uh, we were talking about yesterday, with, uh, I think it was with D. Uh, you know, it's easy to get lost. And when you get lost, it's always difficult to find your way back. You know, somebody has to find your way back. You know, we, we told our kids when they were young, if you get lost, come back here. Well, if I knew how to come back there, I wouldn't be lost. <laughs> right, the fact that I don't know how to get back, you know, and, and, uh, and that's what the Lord said, you know, the Lord himself said that he came to do what? To seek, right, and to save the lost, because we, we became lost, you know, all we like sheep had gone straight, right, we became lost, and we cannot find our way back, there is no way that we're going to find our way back. So the Lord Jesus Christ comes and says, you know what? I am the way back. <laughs> right? He's the way, the truth, and the life. And last but not least, we talked about men being condemned. So what's in the future for man? Condemnation. But it's more than that because condemnation is the present status of man. Remember John three eighteen, He who does not believe is what? Condemned. Already, so what's the status of man when he's not in Christ? He's already condemned. That's why we say, right? What does a person have to do to go to hell? Absolutely nothing. We are already in the state of condemnation. Eventually, God's wrath is going to be displayed, but the sin of condemnation, you know, that would you. It's already established. We are already condemned. Okay. All right. Any thoughts or questions? Come on. You got to say something. something. Got it. <laughs> Thank you, Derek. I'm glad it was you speaking and not Keller. Then I would have been surprised. <laughs> All right. Okay. Now we're moving to something good, right? We're talking about grace. Grace. Oh, what a great word. Grace is, right? That we can go from, from the state of depravity, and that is now God who's going to intervene 
on behalf of the depraved. Just think about that, all right? God is going to do the best on behalf of the depraved, right? And God is, as I noted there, grace, a definition, God's undeserved intervention on behalf of the depraved. Okay? So God is going to do for us that which we do not deserve and we couldn't do for ourselves. So God says, you cannot do that, you don't deserve it, yet I'm going to do it for you. He's going to intervene, and he did intervene on our behalf, right? So we'll go through this a little bit. The source of grace is God. Remember the, type, the, the passage that we used was in Titus, right? Uh, for the grace of God appeared, bringing salvation to all men. That's a great passage. Who would like to read that for us? I'd like somebody to read that for us. Come on, somebody. John. Titus 2, 11 through 13. Thank you. And most of the things that we are mentioning here, they came out uh, out of those verses, but there were other, uh, other passages that we also looked at, right? So we saw or we see that the source of grace is God himself, right? It's the grace of God. Also, the, the, then it says, when the grace of God appeared, right, the manifestation of grace. So grace became incarnate. And that was in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Uh, and the purpose of that grace that appearance of the grace is to bring salvation to all men. Right? God's bringing salvation, making provision for everybody. And that's we say that the next point, right? The reach of that grace is to all people. Right? We saw about the discipleship of grace, that teaching us, instructing us. Right? So God's grace, we say that it changes life, right? We'll see that in a minute. Uh, but how does it change life? Well, it changes life on our position, but it changes life also in that it teaches us a new way of living, right? It changes our mind, it renews our mind through the Word, right? So not only changes our status with God, but it wants to change, it changes us um, by teaching us. And we talked about that it's continually teaching us. God's grace continually teaching us, Right? And, and I mentioned before, I can be a good student or I can be a bad student. Uh, when I was in school, I was never known for being a good student. <laughs> right? And so God has some, the Lord sometimes has to beat me many times right, before I, something can get through me. Right? But God's grace doesn't give up on me. God's grace is continually uh, teaching us, instructing us, right? And we come together for that purpose, right? So God's grace teaching us through his word, right? The anticipation of grace, we talked about that being looking forward, right? Uh, looking forward to, to the coming of the Lord. And there is a certain uh, anticipation and excitement that we should have, right? Yeah, that the Lord is coming back. Right? And I use the illustration when 
uh, when you were coming from work and, and your children are waiting for you, they're excited to see you, right? Or, or your kids know that when that comes from work, we are going to go someplace. And there is an excitement in the kids. And they are excited because they know that dad is coming home. There is, there is an expectation on that. So they are excited about that. Um, we talked about a response to grace. The response to grace can be a positive response or a negative response, right? The positive uh, response is when somebody says yes to grace, yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the negative response being when a person rejects the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. Um, the one that I like also is uh, the state of grace. The position of believer is in the state of grace. We are in the grace in which we stand, right? A bubble of grace. Are we, are, we able gonna, are we able going to be able to get away from grace? Well, we are always in the state of grace. If we are saved, we are always in the state of grace, right? Even when we do wrong, even when I fail to learn, I'm still in that state of grace. In his grace, God may say, get back in line, Vince, Right? A little smack on the back of the head and say, you know, get your act together, whatever it may do, right? But we can never step out of the, of the grace of God. Uh, as a matter of fact, in Romans, talk us about what can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And the answer is nothing. Yeah, nothing. So, okay. So, then we talked about the preaching of grace, and the, uh, the preaching of grace is, is as the gospel is presented. Uh, we spoke, uh, you know, that's the gospel of grace, right? For the grace of God appears, right? If we proclaim a gospel of grace, that meaning is, is God's favor to our man. There is nothing that you can do, and everything that you cannot do, God has done for us. Whatever I cannot do, God has done for us. He made provision for our sins, right? The outcome of grace is changed life. Okay? It begins with changing our status, changing our position, right? We go from being enemies of God to become children of God. We be, go from being in Adam to being in Christ. And that then not only changes our, our status in life, but it changes our lives. Right? Uh, we are a new life. Right? And, and the scripture teaches us, us, us to, uh, from the practical aspect, you know, to put on what? Those things that we learn in Ephesians. They put off and put on. Right? Remember what the put off is? Put off the old self and put on the new self that is created in the image of God. So our life changed in our position and our status with God. And then God says, now because of the position that you have, because of the status that I have in him, then it's expected that my practice will also change, right? And in that, I have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to put on, right, the new man. It's a, it's a decision. It's an act of the will to say, you know what? I'm going to walk in a manner that is pleasing to God. Okay? i got to do the things that are pleasing to God. Okay. And then our responsibility at the end of our grace is to practice it, proclaim it, and protect it. Right? As a church, that's what we do. You know, we protect 
the grace of, of God. You know, that we earnestly contend for the faith, as uh, Jude would have said. Okay. Thoughts or questions? I don't like it when you guys don't say anything. Thank you. You know, you say that and Mac laugh. You know, he, that, he, what he's saying, you're completely wrong. That's what Mac said. <laughs> yeah, in some circles it is true. It is true. Yeah, the, the grace of God is under attack. The gospel is true, it's under attack. Good point. Tom? Yeah, you have to want to, right? I mean, when a, when a baby is born, the baby wants to feed, right? When a person is born in Christ, uh, it does what comes next, right? Uh, regeneration, that's my next point, you know. The idea of regeneration means to be born again. And when a person is born again, they want to feed and what causes them to, them to be born again, right? I want to learn more. That, I think that that's one of the... The, uh, the testimonies of, uh, of regeneration, the fact that a person wants to feed on the milk of the word, right? Uh, we have four children. I've never known any of my kids not wanting to eat, in particular when they were baby, you know? Uh, I mean, funny story, I tell you, Tony's not here, so. But Tony was trained, Ned will sit and she has one of those nursing bras that has a little clip on, right? And uh, it makes a little sound. And, and Tony will be across the room and Ned will undo that clip and go, it makes a little clicking sound, ping. Right? And Tony stopped what he was doing, smile, turn around and crawl really fast to Ned. He was trained. <laughs> he recognized that sound, right? And, and Tony never said no to nursing. <laughs> right yeah it's the desire of a newborn right to want to to want to feed then as we get older you know we think that we need to go on diet right and uh we get there um and maybe physically that's a good thing but a spiritual diet maybe you know and i mean diet in the fact that i need less i want less of god less of the word less of the body I'm not sure that that's what, what we need to be about. <laughs> but, but anyway, so regeneration. Regeneration, the definition is uh, to be born of God, to be born from above, to be born again, to be recreated. There are different terminology that is used in, God, uh, in the scripture to, to refer to the same thing. But the main idea is, is to, be, to be a new creation. Is that, uh, The originator of that regeneration is God. You know, man doesn't become born again, as it says in John chapter 1, out of his own will. He cannot do it by himself. This is an act of God. You know, when a person puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
then that person becomes a new creation. Is regenerated. Is made brand new. Yeah. Uh, the agent of that regeneration is the Holy Spirit that's working on us. The means of that regeneration, right, is the the word of God for the continual regeneration, the continual renewal, right? And talking about in the sense of sanctification. But in the sense of salvation and justification, we're talking about the gospel, right? When a person puts their trust in God in the gospel, right, then that person now becomes regenerated, becomes a new person, becomes born again. You know? And uh, what is uh, one of my favorite scriptures we talked about perhaps later, you know, is uh, in Second Corinthians chapter 5, right? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, right? And so when a person is in Christ, and part of the study that I've done for today, I've done this before, was to look at the phrase in Christ and see everything that we have in Christ. And if you ever want to be encouraged, do that, okay? And I tell you, you can go just to, to a couple of places. Um, for example, go to Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. Um, go to Romans 8 and 2 Corinthians 5. And just out of those few sections, look about what God says that what we have in Christ, right? And then the question is, how does a person become in Christ? Well, by faith, right? When we put our faith in Christ, okay, I become in Christ. And if, what does it mean to be in Christ? You know, I cannot really figure out all that, you know, to be in that position with Christ, to be in a personal relationship with Christ. And, and something amazing happens when a person is in Christ, and just look at those uh, chapters, and if we have time, we probably won't. We'll do some of that. Okay, so uh, as I mentioned there, the catalyst and the timing of regeneration, what initiates regeneration? At what time does it happen? Well, it's, it's faith, right? When a person puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, at that time, a person is, is born again. I should have put the scriptures there, but uh, the impact, well, they come from, Titus 3, the impact is there is salvation, there is cleansing, there is renewing. And the person, as we saw in the scripture here, I know it was in the book of Hebrews, was to, to bring many sons to glory. And so, you know, we were created um, by God. We were created for God, and, and we messed up through sin. And God wants to bring as many people as possible to glory, to restore them to himself, to be seated at the right hand of Christ in the heavenly places, right? Going from depraved, as the worst a man can be, off to the best that he could be, seated at the right hand of God at the place of glory. Thoughts or comments? Linda. Sure. 
Yeah, it seems that Tom's faith perhaps was not fully mature, fully developed, right? Uh, because the Lord Jesus says, because you have seen, you have believed. Blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. And so uh, it seems that perhaps Thomas had not yet crossed over to a saving faith, to a full faith in Christ until he saw the resurrected Christ. He, has a, he had faith, he had a certain understanding, but he really understood that this was the Messiah, that this was God in the flesh who was going to raise from the dead. He un, did he understand that? Did he have a full uh, comprehension of what it meant, of what Christ was about? And it seems that he did not until the Lord said, come here, Thomas. Yeah. Well, I mean, in fairness to Thomas, all the others had seen the risen Christ. Yeah. Thomas had not. <laughs> is physically impossible. You know, but, but this is something that has never been seen before or since. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I can see Thomas's point. Didn't mean he didn't believe Christ was the Messiah, but you're asking him to believe something that has never happened. Before. Yeah, never happened before. That's right. Unique situation, man. That's good. It's good to have an advocate for Christ. <laughs> So his unbelief was a little bit un- less justified, in a sense, because of the signs and the exposure that he had. He, he was in Christ, you know, in, in Christ was gracious to him sure. by allowing him that, right? I mean, because how, how many, I, I've talked to people on Charlie Google have as well, where they're like, well, I'll believe in God when he does X, right? We basically, when they put God on blast for doing something for them. Right. And, you know, we've been hearing on Sunday morning service, right, the Lord saying, uh, if, if they don't believe the prophets, <laughs> right, if they don't believe the written word, right, because by the time the Lord is speaking, all the prophets are there, right? So if they do not believe the prophets, neither will they believe if somebody rises from the dead. Yeah. What, what is God using today? The scripture. The scripture. Tom? And by God's promise, it just so happened that Thomas didn't believe. I didn't believe. That's the purpose of that great confirmation that he had. Yeah, my wallet, yeah. Praise the Lord that he did believe. 
Right, he did that, made the profession. Excellent. All right, next thing that we have, I flip pages. So the next thing that we have is the idea of, oh, Amy, I'm sorry. Yeah, if it is based on what we do, we should use a different name, not grace. And that name is uh, like works. <laughs> yeah, John, oh, you have your hand up. Okay, yeah. Thank you, Jen. Amy. Linda? Yeah, what she said, we can be so thankful because there is nothing that we can do. There is nothing that we can do. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Uh, imputation. We talked about this word. Uh, we saw three aspects of imputation. Imputation means to put on someone's account, to charge somebody with something, uh, either on a positive way or on a negative way, right? Uh, so this is put on your account. This is uh, in your account for you or in your account against you. And on my account to help me or on my account to, um, to be a negative uh, action, against me, a positive or negative action, right? And we saw that Adam's sin was imputed on the human race. Um, We are in Adam, right? Uh, We were in Adam, so the Lord God, you know, imputed that man on the human race. The teaching is in the New Testament. I think I have the reference there, yeah. For by one man, uh, sin entered into the world, before all men sin, right? We were in Adam, okay? And so, and yet, you know, God is justified because God imputed on us something that was already ours, and that was our sin. It's not that God said, you know, you are innocent, and I'm going to impute sin on you. That's not what happened. (laughs) Adam was guilty, and that guilt was imputed on him and on all those who were in him. So we had that imputation of, of the sin of Adam on the human race, but it was ours. Then we have the imputation of our sin on Christ. Amen. That's a different kind of imputation, right? So now the Lord Jesus Christ, that he who knew no sin, became sin for us. And we saw that picture in the Old Testament, in Leviticus 16, of the, uh, uh, of the scapegoat, that the sins of the people, uh, the, the hands, the priest, the priest laid the hands on the, on the head of the goat, and the sins of the people were transferred to the goat, imputed to the goat, put on the account of the goat, and then the goat was released, never to come back. And in Psalms, he teaches us that our Lord separates us from our sins as far as the east is from the west. What a great image of forgiveness. My sins are removed from us. So now I got my, my bank statement, right? And I got zero because my debt has removed, was removed from me. But God did more than just 
put zeros on my account. God put a surplus column that I can never run out of. No matter how I continue to get into that. Like Tom said, you know, we have this, this flesh that continuously gets into that. <laughs> right? And, and that debt that my sin nature does is never going to exhaust the righteousness of God that was imputed on my account. That was imputed on our account. The greatness of God's grace. The greatness of God's righteousness. Right? That all of our sins together, the sins of the world together, will never exhaust the righteous account that is placed on, on account of those who are in Christ. That's exciting. Yeah. How great is your bank account? It's great. Man, last one. <laughs> and the last thing that we saw last week was substitution. This is the other part of Leviticus 16 of the Day of Atonement. There were two goats, the scapegoat that we just talked about. But then was the other one that is called the Lord's goat. And the Lord's goat reminds us, right, of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God's goat, right, that was sacrificed for the sins of the people. So there is a sending away of the sin, and yet there is also a payment for the sin. And we talked about the Lord Jesus Christ, that, uh, that he had to, or things that needed to take place for him to become our substitute, right? He had to be, like I titled it, the advent of the, of the substitution. Jesus had to become one of us. He had to be incarnate. He had to become man. He had to be a man substituting for man. So he became man. He had to identify with us in that he was tempted in all things. So he's been there and experienced that. He experienced human suffering. He experienced human temptation. And yet he had to be separate from us. He had to be distinct from us in that he yet he did not sin. And then the completion of substitution in that is Christ instead of us. What a great thought. Christ, instead of us, he took my place. In grace, God changes things. In regeneration, God changes us. In imputation, God credits us. And in substitution, God makes atonement for us. Next week, Matt will teach us on, speak on repentance. Would you close in a word of prayer, Matt?